Welcome, everybody, to the 5280 Nuggets Fast Break Podcast presented by the Rocky Mountain Sports Network. My name is Jacob Burke, your co or your host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ashar Ali. Sir. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Glenn. Good to be here. And yeah, Glenn, of course, is also joining us. How's it going, guys? Going well. Well, decently, I should say. Obviously, <laughs> we have a lot to catch up on, having gone through three games since our last podcast here, and... I would say some ups and downs because we did get a win, but um, probably mostly downs. Even the win felt kind of weird to me. But we're going to get into all of that as well as a look ahead at the uh, next two games that will round out this road trip, including a in-season tournament game on Friday that I'm excited for and maybe a little bit nervous for as well. With that being said, I did want to just touch quickly on the Pelicans game that was on Friday, a 115-110 victory for the Pelicans over the Nuggets and a in-season game, which tied both the Pelicans and the Nuggets for the uh, first place in West Group B, which actually, since we lost to them, were technically second because of the tiebreaker there. Really interesting game. You know, I think the Nuggets didn't come out with the requisite energy in that game. They were kind of sluggish. You could see the starters didn't start well, which we're not accustomed to. And ultimately, it came down to the wire when we got it back within range. And so we'll probably talk a little bit more about the fourth quarter here in a moment. But what were some of your main takeaways from that game, Glenn? Yeah, I think just uh, intensity from the get-go. Um, uh, I might have my numbers wrong, but I, I think you know it was eight nothing or maybe eight two to start the game real quick. Uh, so mm-hmm. we got jumped a little bit, and uh, um, it just took us a little bit to kind of get our bearings back and really match the intensity level. I think we had a pretty good start to the second half. You know, close the game at the end. we missed a couple, missed a few threes rather at the end to possibly tie it up, but. You know, just an old-fashioned loss, I'd say. Old-fashioned. How about you, Ashar? What, you, what were your uh, – what's the feeling you had coming out of that game? Because I was pretty yeah. down. Well, I mean, I was hoping that there'd be some lessons learned from the first game against the Pelicans, right, which wasn't too long ago. Um, Nuggets yeah. came out sluggish. They jumped on the Cerny. They got a 16-point lead at halftime, and it was virtually a mirror image of that game, right? But it's um, – starters didn't come out well. And once again, we got back behind by 16 points at halftime. We did ourselves a whole. Um, I like the way we fought back in the second half. We made it a fourth quarter game, which, to be honest, I mean, on the road, if you have a fourth quarter game, you've done something right, right? So I like that, that we at least fought back. And, you know, we had some chances late. Uh, we were down by three. We, uh, you know, I think Reggie missed the three. We got an offensive board. I would like to have seen Aaron Gordon pass it to MPJ on the wing. He was wide open. Um, that would have ended up tying the game, unfortunately. Aaron Gordon missed, they got the rebound, fouled him, and, you know, the rest is history. But, you know, it was an encouraging start to the road trip, knowing that, look, we dug ourselves a hole, we did come back, and we gave ourselves a chance to win. We obviously just didn't execute, but there were, you know, at least there were some positive takeaways in the game, even though we got the loss. Yeah, to me, it showed that the Nuggets still have the capability to execute in the fourth quarter down big without Murray, you know, with Reggie being in that spot. It really just came down to that first half, putting us so far behind. But some of the standouts in this game being Christian Brown would be one, as well as, of course, Jokic having a monster triple-double with 18 assists, which is, I believe, ties his career high in that game. Yeah. 
Brown, Brown really has found his stroke in the last last few games here. We're going to get into the next few. And I think it was, you know, that the end of that third quarter into that fourth, Brown was a big part of that run to get us back into it, being down one with three minutes left to go in the game. And it just seemed like there's just a few too many mistakes and missed shots there at the end that, you know, normally might go in. Maybe it was the road environment. It felt like this was the first game this season where I could blame the starters for dropping the ball. You know, we are used to the bench maybe putting us behind a little bit too much to overcome with that five-man starting unit, but this is one where the starters didn't really start off great. Yeah, I mean, MPJ didn't shoot well in that game either, but he Mm -hmm. made a big impact with his 18 and 11, and uh, we did miss him there at the end in the in the corner, you know, I think AG might've just gotten tunnel vision. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, we were down 18 at the half. Uh, and if you take a look at the numbers, we won the second half. We won both the third and the fourth yep. quarter, obviously coming up just a little bit short, you know, Jokic had video game numbers that night, which, <laughs> you know, to have 26 okay. points, 16 boards, which he always grabs a lot of boards, but 18 assists is out of this world. You know, there's there's guys that don't get 18 assists in 10 games. So uh, to be dishing like that and, and, you know, secondly, for the guys that he was finding to be making those shots, that means he's making the right read at the right time, which is just so important. Um, you know, and that kind of follow-on effect of Christian Brown's coming out party, that was, you know, he had a record high, uh, career high 25 points, which is – and he was aggressive all night, getting to the rack. I think he, I think it boosted his confidence – which and then we started to see his three ball drop, and we've still seen his three ball drop the last three games, really. So I'm excited about that. I think I think it might have been a good spark. Yeah, I agree, Glenn. The main thing was for me, Christian Brown had been struggling with his three all season long, right? I mean, that's yeah, I felt like he was losing his confidence in his shot, which last year he actually shot pretty well. So to hit have him hit three threes against the Pelicans was encouraging, and obviously that carried over um, the next couple of games. So that was certainly an encouraging sign. But I mean. I think he's getting more and more comfortable with his role, and I think he he took Malone's feedback, um, you know, after that big loss to the Rockets, where the bench didn't play well. And I think he Christian Brown's been the one bright spot that's been consistent since that Rockets game, where you know what you're going to get from him every night. So I was definitely encouraged by his uh, bounce back effort, and uh, again, good career high from him: 25 points and nine boards is that's, that's a good game for him off the bench. Yeah, and I mean, we'll we'll definitely move on from this one, but it will have some implications in our in-season tournament standings, which we can definitely touch base on after the Rockets game to see where everything falls, as well as some games that are wrapping up this week with teams that can impact whether if, if we were to miss the single elimination round, uh, whether we could make a wild card spot or not. So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I think the Pelicans game might have been like the best game of the three um, as far as overall performance, even though we did lose just based on the comeback. And of course, Jokic and Porter coming along with him with with CB. But the next one in Cleveland on Sunday, man, that one was a tough one to watch, yeah. <laughs> to, to say the least. Right. Another one where the starters just seemed like they didn't really have it. It got out of hand so quickly there. And. One of the ones I re- one of the moments I really think of in that game, I think I want to say it was the second quarter. I could be wrong. And I was looking at the box score real quick here. I felt like Dean Wade killed us that game. And so then I'm looking at the box score. And I'm like, he only hit two three pointers, but those three pointers were big. 
it was when we would get just a little bit of momentum it felt like it would get killed with a wide open shot or a, or a board yeah. that the other team hustled down and that one where he turns around on mpj in the corner and just throws up the yeah. prayer and goes in yeah. and that's when i felt like the night was just not ours um and of course garland also killed us in that game just a lack of effort again like what are you thinking ashar what was the main reason we dropped that one well i mean i like the way we came out we were only down two in the first quarter but when Jokic checked back in in that second quarter that was pivotal because he ended up picking up two fouls right he got into foul trouble in fact he didn't even play 30 minutes that night because he had five fouls that was very uncharacteristic right so mm-hmm. you know we've seen Jokic in the post make that move a thousand times where inside and turns around this time he kind of just um, caught Jared Allen on the face with the elbow obviously not intentional but it, it, it changed everything I mean Jokic it gets into foul trouble and that I think changed the momentum it wasn't a coincidence that they went on the run when he went on the bench yep. you know just the overall length of the Cavaliers with uh, Mobley and Allen I think that disrupted us but heading coming into this game after a tough loss to Pelicans I, I felt like you know, especially when they announced that Donovan Mitchell wasn't going to play. I was like, this is a game that we have to win, right? The, you, the, when the opposing team star players out, well, that balances, you know, Murray being out for us. You know, yes, it's a road game, but, you know, you know it just shows you that when Jokic gets taken out of the flow and he, you know, he plays limited minutes due to that foul trouble, it's not easy for the Nuggets to recover. Um, you know, it, it, it was encouraging to see Michael Porter Jr. though, some of the bite spots, he had five threes, which, you know, he, st- he was starting to get out of his slump, but then he had a good game against the Pelicans as well, shot over 50%. Carried that over to the uh, Cavs game. But, I mean, in that second half, the third quarter was abysmal, right? We came out sluggish, and uh, we were already down, you know, eight points at halftime. We came out getting outscored again by, I think, nine in the second, third quarter. And then heading into the fourth, was just too, too big of a hole to dig out of, especially with Jokic being in uh, foul trouble. So, you know, it, it was disappointing, and just made that Detroit game that much more important. So to drop 0-2 in the road without Donovan Mitchell, that was a tough one. Yeah, I felt before the game, like I had said on the last pod, that Cleveland was a tough matchup because of their size, similar to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, did you did you feel the same way going about that? Yeah, I completely agree. I I think uh, I think uh, Mobley <clears throat> Mobley and Jared Allen just you know those guys play extremely well off each other. Um, they are active. They beat you up inside uh, the workhorses. And, you know, Jokic had his hands full all night. And the thing about Jokic is when he gets tired, when he's overexerted, he starts to overplay. And it's usually pretty evident. And that's when he'll, you know, kind of lose a little bit of his touch at the rim. He'll start overdriving. And that's when you see the elbows go out. And, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. kind of will pick up te- technicals sometimes as a result of that as well. And so, I think he was just gassed that night. Uh, you, you know, you throw in Darius Garland, who uh, was all over the place, super active on D, and just kept hitting floaters in the lane whenever he, you know, seemingly whenever he wanted. Um, it, you know, they just they they jumped us from the get go, built on it in the second, exploded in the third, and then we tried to claw back in the fourth, but it was just way too late at that point. Disappointing loss for sure. Yeah, the foul trouble is really really stands out. I mean, him picking up those two fouls within like a, a few minutes stretch there. And I felt like the, the second one was clearly intentional. Like I felt like that was Jokic making a point of like, you call it a foul for help. Like this is what it looks like, you know, um, when I do an offensive yeah. foul, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I, Cause I, he had I, gotten was... called for the same one. Right. Yeah. Right before that. And he was like, that's, 
but it's a normal basketball move. And then he, I felt like that second one was clearly intentional and a lot of frustration boiling over a little bit of Jokic of the past where he can be a little, little hot sometimes. But yeah, Darius Garland are just felt like our point of attack defense wasn't there. And, you know, when you start to put Jokic in space situations, having to cover so much for our point of attack defenders, you know, that's when, that's when, and the backside rotations aren't on point. That's when it just got out of hand quickly. And when Jokic is playing out of position, he's going to pick up more fouls, regardless of the offensive fouls, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I agree with you, Ashar. I I was really glad to see MPJ get back into his three-point shot. The game before that, like you said, he'd shot – he shot 50% from the field against the Pelicans, but, you know, I felt like Cleveland was finally that get right game. And we had had a pod earlier uh, in the season where it was like, when do we start to worry? Right. And I had said another 10 to 15 games and we're a few games in. And I feel like this game as well as we'll, we'll get into Detroit now in a second is indicative of Porter finding his shot again. So in let's see the Detroit game. I want to say he shot 40, 44%. So he went four or nine, but I feel like that's a, a good percentage for him still, even though he took nine of them. But do you feel like he's finding his shot again, Ashar? Do you feel like this yeah, is I mean, something that will stick? It's encouraging, right? I mean, the fact that um, yeah. he's still being aggressive and he's not losing the confidence was, was big. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is he back to being the MPJ when he had that record-setting year with one of the most efficient shooting? No, but is he uh, is he starting to get over whatever that final slump was? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's been encouraging signs, right? Five threes in this game was was huge. Four to more threes in the Pistons game was uh, big again. So, I mean, look, we, we I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I mean, especially with Murray being out, you're you're gonna need Michael Porter Jr. scoring, and that's the bottom line. Uh, without his scoring. We don't have a ton of playmakers on this team, right? Especially from the bench. So he's when he's staggered with that second unit. If he's not playing well, it just you know it, we, we struggle. So I mean, yeah, you're gonna we're gonna continuously need Michael Porter to step up, and I'll get into that in the in the Pistons game in a moment. But yeah, certainly some encouraging signs from him for sure. Well, I was gonna say what I you know the thing about Porter, and we've talked about it for years. We're just watching him develop as as a player is, you know, his ability to affect the game in other ways, because he's a shooter and, you know, shooters got to shoot, but they don't stay hot forever. Um, And I think if you look at the Cleveland game compared to the Pistons game, it's really the tale of two cities. The Cleveland game, the whole team was kind of off, right? But Porter was off. You could tell he was lackadaisical uh, down low on the rebounds, wasn't, wasn't helping on defense not closing out all the time, getting confused on switches. And it looked a little bit like the Porter of old, you know, where if you you talk about the Pistons game, I I still wouldn't say his three ball was there per se. He did have a few big shots, but, you know, he pulled down twice as many boards. He actually got a couple of of assists, which was nice. (laughs) Up until that point, until the Pistons game, if I remember correctly, Porter had not had a single assist all year. Is mind-boggling to me. And so, you know, is his three ball back? I don't know, but I, I, I just want to see that level of maturity where he can sit down and say, all right, well, I can affect the game in other ways, so what can I do? Yeah, one thing I heard from – also, I think he's averaging one and a half assists a game this year. I don't know about the – because he's had a few two or three assist games yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. He, he went on it. He did go on a stretch where he had zero assists for a few games. 
um, in the last few, but he started off the season, I think, with a three assist game, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Right. But yeah, it, it seems like it's coming in waves, right? Like sometimes you're getting Porter that does everything but doesn't hit any shots. And then sometimes Porter will hit shots and then doesn't do the other things. And it's not all there every night consistently yet. Mm. But I heard uh, Eric Weedham on DMVR talk about it today where the biggest thing for him with Porter is he just played in a back-to-back and played 38 minutes on the second night of one, and we're not even thinking about it. And and there's something to be said about that is where we might be taking his health for granted. It's good to see him on the floor for these extended minutes and you know not having to worry about him right now and at least contributing. So that at least gives me some hope that he's going to you know get back to a 44% three-point shooter like we've seen him before. And like you said, Glenn, like, even though he shot well from the field, it didn't seem like in the game he shot well. And so it still feels like there's, even at this 44% mark, it still feels like there's some more for there for him, uh, regardless of what the percentage ends up being. Although I do feel like he took some bad shots in this Pistons game, but Pistons game was one of the weirdest games I've ever watched in the Jokic era. If you would have told me that both Jokic and Malone were ejected and we still won, I would have said, do we face the worst team in the league? Yeah, we we did. The Nuggets were the second worst team in the league that night, at least, right? <laughs> so That's right. Uh, we did pull that one out. But it, the Pistons game felt like it started just like the Cleveland game where we just didn't have the energy. And I don't know if you guys agree, but it seemed like the refs were not – haven't been blowing the whistle our way since the Pelicans game, to be quite frank. And so do you feel like the Malone ejection in that first quarter, Bashar, is kind of what woke us up a little bit? No, I I don't think so. Right, And the reason I say that is, well, first off, Mike Malone should know that, look, you've lost two back-to-back road games, right? You someone's got to hold him accountable, right? You cannot get ejected in the first quarter against the Detroit Pistons, right? I mean, that's just, it's inexcusable. Be careful. You're, be careful. You're calling him out and calling him Mike, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I, 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 I didn't like the fact that he got thrown out in the first quarter. I mean, it'd be one thing yeah. if it was they were struggling. It was third quarter, fourth quarter, and he, you know, he did to send a message to wake his team up. But, I mean, in the first quarter, that's inexcusable in my opinion. And, and to be honest, Nuggets didn't really wake up, right? Because, yeah, they were up at four points in the first quarter, but then they were sluggish again in that second quarter. They didn't really come out and do much of anything. And part of that was obviously with Jokic being ejected and uh, made a joke saying that he, he wanted to give his coach company and uh, he didn't want Michael on the Michael to watch the game by himself. But, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, it, there should have been that wake-up moment. And I don't think it was there last night. We escaped the win, but I think there's a lot of negatives. Yeah, but there's a lot of negatives in that game. I mean, the Pistons weren't healthy either, right? They had they had a lot of players. Monte Morris, former Nugget, he, he wasn't playing. Durant wasn't playing. So there was players on the Pistons side that didn't play either. To me, I was hoping that when Jokic got ejected, it's like you couldn't have you couldn't have made it any better for Michael Porter Jr. to take over, right? Because like no Murray, no Jokic. You know, he had a good game against uh, the Cavs. Finally, is this the game where maybe Michael Porter Jr. can play the hero? And score 30 plus points and eke out a victory for the Nuggets. Unfortunately, 
didn't work out that way. Uh, we got the win. We got a but it came down to the wire again, right? There was a few uh, a few drip on me a shot that went our way. Um, Reggie Jackson was pivotal in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Aaron Gordon was huge. But again, if if let's say the Nuggets would have dropped that game, right? How much more would that have been on Michael Malone and them saying that look, this is why you gotta be able to hold your composure and you cannot afford to get kicked out of a game like this because I can imagine going into Orlando being down. Yeah, losing three games in a row on the road, it would have been bad. So glad to see that we yeah. escaped with a win because it it, it it wasn't looking good for a while. I put it on Jokic too, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, Malone probably shouldn't have lost his head over. I don't even remember what the call was that he lost his head over. I feel like most of the time Malone's injections are calculated, and I wasn't so sure about this one being. But Jokic also had a responsibility not to get thrown out. You know, his first technicals on the guy not being in the right spot on the free throw. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Stewart was like in the lane while they were shooting. And that one is just like, you know, man, like honestly doesn't matter that much. And he picks up the tech, which fine. Okay. It happens. But that second one, it almost like he was asking for it. Right. Like someone asked Malone in the uh, post game, like, so did Jokic just want to come watch the game with you? Um, You know, so, that second one, it was just looked like Jokic of kind of reminded me of that Phoenix Suns playoff series where he just couldn't couldn't handle the refs anymore. And I put it on him too because Murray's out. There's no this isn't like a game like the end of last year where we don't have Jokic but we got everyone else. Like your second best player is out. And to your point, Ashar, I mean Porter did have an opportunity to step up, but in my opinion. He played well enough. Yeah. And and Glenn, I'm going to let you touch on this in a second because you yeah. were not happy with his first half. Uh, but Porter picked it up towards the end. And I don't know if I necessarily agree this was his opportunity to go for 30-plus because when you lose Jokic and Murray's out, suddenly Porter becomes the number one option, and that team's job now is to take away Porter. And Porter isn't a great type of isn't the type of player right now where he finds the cracks in a defense that's solely focused on him the same way Jokic and Murray can, right? He's more of a beneficiary of pressure in different spots on the floor and has the talent to capitalize on that at a high level. But yeah, what did you think of Porter's game, Glenn? I know I I think it was pivotal in the win towards the end, you know, even though the stats didn't end up being great, but what was your, what were your thoughts on him? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think the first three quarters for Porter were, were pretty bad. They were really awful. Um, I was frustrated. You know, he was – I kind of touched on some of it earlier, but he was just lost on switches, not really boxing guys out, not even really jumping. There was one play down low, uh, and I can't remember who it was. They went in, got an uncontested layup. Porter stood there. The guy missed. The ball bounced back towards him, and Porter didn't even jump for the rebound. Oh, a sar. Yeah, it was a sar. Yeah, and and he just stood there, and I was like, oh my gosh, no, like you know, get in the game, let's go. And then the fourth quarter, I think he did finally get in the game, but I think it was as a result of him stroking two threes. Uh, I think within like two minutes or so, and they were both you know beautiful Porter threes, nothing but the bottom of the bottom of the net, you know. And I think that might have got him going a little bit, but the first three quarters, I was you know. It was a love-hate relationship that night for sure. You know, that game, though, was really interesting. I think, Jake, you had a good point. Um, 
I think I think Malone's ejection was maybe partially calculated, or maybe he had thought about it or was getting ready to to some to some extent, because we had not been bringing it for several games in a row. The energy levels were really low. Uh, Jokic was pretty much doing all the work. The bench was non-existent, and so I think it was an opportune time. I think Malone was frustrated with the with the um, you know with the refs, and I do think his ejection was timely. Oddly enough, to your point, Ashari, it didn't really have an impact. Team kept kind of playing the same as they were, which was really odd to me. And I kept waiting too. You know, to your point, Jake, I was like, "All right, that was on purpose. Let's see if this team responds." Nothing. Flat. We kept playing the same ball. You know, we hung in the game, thank God. Um, and then Jokic got ejected, and so what ensued after that was probably about four or five minutes of the weirdest basketball I've seen in a long time where the team was utterly confused without Jokic on the floor. Um, yep. And then and then something changed. And I talked about this in one of my, my Nuggets groups on Facebook that I'm actively involved in, but something changed where the energy levels came up and the team started playing more freely as if kind of saying, hey, Jokic is not here. Let's move on and figure out how we can play ball together. And then all of a sudden we did. And then all of a sudden it brought the energy level up for the entire team and – you know, people started contributing from all over the place, chasing down loose balls, uh, making blocks, grabbing rebounds, and I got to give it to that that bench unit. And some of the guys further down the bench, they they fought hard all the way until the end. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, just to add to that, Glenn, let's give some love to Reggie Jackson, right? Oh, because wow. I tell you, without Reggie Jackson, especially yesterday, no Jokic, the offense just wasn't getting together. I mean, he was exactly what you need off the bench, right? Oh, not because he was a starter, but his play down the stretch, especially the last four or five minutes, uh, his floaters, his drives to the basket. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal, right? And again, th- that's a game that we don't win without Reggie Jackson. Kudos to the Nuggets for re-signing him because we've talked about this in the past, right, Jake? I think we were all yeah. signing it early on, but it's paying early dividends. I mean, where would this team be without Reggie Jackson, right? Especially knowing that Murray's been out the last, you know, five, six games. That shows you how important a backup point guard is in this league. It's absolutely critical. I'm mean, kudos to Reggie for keeping us in the game. A little bit of homecoming for him because, you know, he's played with Detroit for, I think, five years. So, yeah. but again, you know, super proud of him because without his efforts last night, no way Nuggets win that game. You know, it would have been a blowout if Bruce was still with us because I think he also played for the Pistons, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been a Bruce-KCP-Reggie trio. But, yeah, Reggie was super aggressive, which is what we needed from him. I really think, you know, starting into the second half, obviously Malone probably gave a pep talk at halftime, and then they were like, ooh, he's off our back. Let's just mm-hmm. kind of go play a little bit more free. And it was interesting because I was fully expecting DeAndre to start that second half. And it ended up being AG at the center, and they put Christian Brown in the in the lineup. And I like that from an energy standpoint, too. Maybe some of that pickup can be contributed to Christian Brown being in the lineup there and being a very downhill active player with them when sometimes the starters are very – they execute at a high level, but they aren't always the most frenetic group. CB brings that. But when I look at the box score, I didn't even realize this till just now. Gordon ended up having seven assists because he he emulated a little bit of what 
Jokic can do, right, with being at the high yeah. post catching and, and being able to make reads. I think Gordon's a little bit underrated as a playmaker. Now, I don't think his actual offense beyond that was great last night at all. That was an interesting look that I didn't expect to see, and I was glad we saw it. And I did really want to touch quickly because even though, you know, we lost the Pistons game and we lost the Cleveland game, I did like the process that the bench had in both those games, uh, at least the idea of them, right? Whether they executed well or not, it was what, what, did, what did the eye test tell me? And I really liked the Pickett, Strother, uh, what was it, Brown oh, and it? Watson and Najee? Yes, that, yeah. that group was crazy good for like five minutes. Yeah, and that's all we need sometimes, right? Yep. We just need smart. we need one of the bench stints to be good. We don't need both of them to be good. We don't need them to be good at every night. We just need a good enough stint to make them a net neutral or a slight negative at worst so that the starters can do what the starters do. And I really liked that look, and it and it was interesting because Malone went from no Watson in the Cleveland game and playing Holiday to Watson being in the lineup tonight. And maybe that might also have been a little bit of Adelman too in the second half. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I really liked what the bench looked like just from the eye test, even when they didn't do well. And I felt like I, I really liked, you know, Pickett didn't, wasn't a stat stuffer by any means. But I really liked how he ran the floor and just did some simple good actions that got them into the flow of things rather than them doing a lot of side-to-side -side ball and no one really attacking in any which direction. So yeah. do you feel like – do either of you guys feel like this might be a sign of what's to come for the bench or the rotation well, probably was a little wonky? Well, I think – I'll play this, Jake. The, when Murray comes back, which we know he's getting closer to, right, it makes me a heck of a lot more confident knowing that now with Christian Brown turning the corner and then Reggie Jackson, the way he's played, if he continues to play at that level off the bench, that's two solid guys coming off your bench. I think Zeke is still solid as well, so that's three. So that makes me feel more and more confident about the bench and they're going to be able to hold things together. I think obviously that's going to play into Pickett's time. So you probably won't see him as much when, you know, Jamal Murray comes back. Christian Brown making that turn, you know, turning the corner and playing well the last few games, coupled with Reggie Jackson coming off the bench, makes me feel a heck of a lot better than what they did a few games ago. Yeah, sort of augmenting themselves by being having this weird lineup, right? Correct. They're, they're getting a little bit more polished than they might normally with when they're just with the bench. How, how are you feeling about it? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the second half, especially with Adelman at the helm, probably a little bit different coaching style, willing to experiment a little bit more than Malone, or maybe has guys that he uh, envisions in different roles um, in different ways than Malone would. So I think it's always interesting to watch how one coach will handle things compared to like when an assistant has to step in with somebody gets ejected. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, to your earlier point, uh, Jake, about uh, AG running at that five spot, it's almost as if they, you know, try to emulate AG like a Jokic in a point center. Because if you notice, when he slid over to the five, he's also doing a little bit of ball handling and bringing the ball up court duties. Right. So it, it has a little bit of a similar feel to when Jokic is on the floor. And I really think AG, if, if, I, if there's one thing I had to pick for most improved, it's his vision. 
on the floor this year, his ability to slow the game down, and he's dished out some assists where, you know, they looked very Jokic-esque, in my opinion, where I was like, man, I didn't even see that guy on that back cut right there, but, but Gordon found him somehow. And so I, I kind of love that Swiss Army knife kind of use for Aaron Gordon in this role. You know, we can talk – Reggie's – Ashar, you're, you're 100% on – on the ball with, with Reggie Jackson. I was completely skeptical based on his play last year, but, you know, past performance is not an indicator of future results if, if you're talking Reggie Jackson. So, and in my mind, there's probably two or three losses that we would have taken without Reggie's performances in some of these games. So, yeah, it's an interesting lineup. I don't know that we have an answer just yet, but, you know, at least we're finding out maybe what are not the answers. Or what, what are the gaps? What are the holes? What do we need to address? Jake, here's a question for you guys. I'm just curious. Since Malone was ejected in the first quarter, is he allowed to interact with the team at halftime? I want to say yes. I think he can, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Right. So the reason I bring that out there is I wonder how much was it Malone suggesting to Adelman that, hey, maybe start Christian in the second half? Um, because that's the one positive is that because he was ejected early, at least he's able to regroup with the coaches to kind of figure out and strategize are how we going to attack this coming out in the third and fourth quarters now. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point you're making. And he Malone said that he talked to the players during halftime and he still did a post game I thought was interesting, even though yeah. Adelman yeah. coached three quarters of the game. Uh, I thought that was a little bit unfair to Adelman to be I agree. to be honest. I agree. But yeah. I, I mean I'm sure Adelman will be a head coach pretty pretty soon. But it's interesting because I know, at least I've heard that a lot of times when coaches have been ejected, they will be like texting their their coach that's sitting in and still making decisions. And I, I do wonder with Malone's style, if he's more of a, I'm out, like you do your thing, or if he has a little bit more controlling nature to him where he's telling them what to do. So that's an interesting question, which yeah. would be a great post-game question to ask one of these days. So. Yeah, I think if I had to guess, I'd say the former, Jake. I think he's probably a, a very respectful person, and he's very supportive of the people around him. I think he would mm-hmm. let Adelman kind of run the helm, but maybe bounce ideas off him if he needs to. But Adelman's sure. perfectly capable, capable at this point as well. Hopefully, uh, I mean, Malone has a bag now. He's been uh, he's been paid one of the most lucrative, lucrative contracts in the NBA, so he can afford – at least a few more ejections this year if needed. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I was hoping in one of the pressers that he would just take the fine and call out the refing, but it is what it is. I'm not going to hang my hat on it by any means, but we, uh, we move on to tomorrow. Wednesday's game is against Orlando, kind of an interesting one, young team, very talented still. Good old Gary Harris still over there, which kind of surprises me. Surprises uh, contender hasn't swung for him. Uh, oh, one more thing I did want to get to that you made a good point of was Ashar, that or maybe it was Glenn. I don't know. We're we're doing a lot of Reggie praise tonight. It's all <laughs> mixing up. One of the things I look at, other than how well a role player plays, is one of the things I think about a lot is how many games does that role player swing whether he plays good consistently or good and bad and has these ups and downs. When we get a role player, how many games is he capable of swinging both in the regular regular season and the postseason? And I always go back to when people talk crap about Austin Rivers 
I always think of the Portland series and how he swung a game. And when you're a role player and you swing a playoff game, that makes you valuable. And so my point with this being is Reggie is showing that he has a large share of game swings to contribute to the team, despite his averages or his night-to-night performance or even the eye tests sometimes, right? Yeah. Is at the end of the 82-game regular season, I mean, he's already, like you said, swung at least three of them. So at the end of the season, has he swung 15? You know, that's that's a high win share for a guy that's a role player. So to your, your points, I, R- Reggie's been a real blessing in disguise this year. Yeah, and love to see it. And I guess we should probably touch on it real quick. Uh, we're we're kind of running a little bit long now because we do still need to talk about the Orlando game. But I wonder uh, when Murray's coming back because there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. We probably still have at least 10 days because they said Woj had reported a month when he first went out at the beginning of the month. I saw Harrison win, you know, tweet about this. So he's he started practicing with the team, right? And uh yep. ruled out um, when the road trip started that he wouldn't play. Um right. uh, I think now they're saying that it's unlikely that he'll play in uh obviously he's not playing uh, tomorrow, but unlikely he plays against Houston. But it's encouraging to see that he has picked up conditioning, he is starting to practice with the team. So he's obviously doing all the right things in terms of trending towards coming back. So I would expect it, um, that you know he won't play this road trip, but I would expect the first home game back. Jamal will be back. Question is going to be is is he going to be back in 100 playing 30, 35 plus minutes a game, or are they going to kind of ease you know back into where maybe he plays 15, 20 minutes a game? Because a hamstring is a tricky thing, right? You can you can quickly retweet that. So it's something I'd, I'd rather err on the side of caution and. Don't rush it back until they know and they're confident that yeah he's a hundred percent ready to go because it's not worth lingering and we're all of a sudden you bring him back too soon and now you know he irritates it again and now next thing you know he's out for a month again or two months you don't want to risk that. Yeah, do you think a minutes restriction is in order, Glenn? Um, you know, I, I if I was coaching, which I'm obviously not, I probably would. I'd probably just sprinkle him back to, back into the mix. Uh, uh, hamstrings, like like Ashar said, are really easy to re-aggravate. Um, and unfortunately, it's one of those things where you're either kind of good to go or you're not, and you can re-aggravate it with no warning, you know. And so they're they're really tricky. Um, I don't think he comes back on this road trip as well. You know, I think Malone's kind of waiting to see if he needs to bring him back as quick as he would like to. Um, yeah, we dropped a couple of doozies, but we also won some good games too, and so. Yeah, I think we'll see him back at home. Probably, you know, he might get 12, 15 minutes. Or he might get 28 or 30. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know? Might, yeah, my pushback would be that um Murray likes seeing to play. That he had, yeah, when when uh Malone when uh he came back from his ACL, Malone was playing him a lot right away. Mm-hmm. I remember I think it was that first week he played like 35 minutes in a game and I'm just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Last year at least, right? So well, and all of that actually comes down to the medical staff, right? The trainers. I mean, it's really the trainers that are going to guide Malone on what he should or shouldn't be doing, right? Because at the end of the day, Malone's not a doctor, right? So he's got to take the guidance of the trainers. And if the trainers say, listen, he's 100% cleared, he's ready to go, I think you got to take that, you know, in consideration. But if the trainers are like, yeah, he's good, but you may want to ease him into it, then I think that's also something that he has to pay attention to. So 
I'm one of those, either you're healthy enough to play or you shouldn't play at all, right? So I, I wouldn't risk something for the sake of bringing someone back too soon. So if he's not ready to go, then no reason to risk it. Let him let him take as much time as it needs because I'd rather have him healthy and, you know, let him part of the year heading into the playoffs than worry about a lingering injury throughout the next, you know, two, three months. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Coach Malone too, and I've got Reggie playing as nice as he has been, I'm sleeping okay at night, you know, knowing that, Insurance. you know, we haven't dropped five, you know, five out of six last games since Murray went down or whatever the number may be. But um, so again, there's no rush, especially when you got Reggie filling in nicely like that. Yeah. And Reggie does give us that insurance policy, right? Undoubtedly. So yeah. We can be, we can be patient. Always got to remember that the greatest team of all time was derailed by a hamstring, the uh, Harden Kyrie Durant Nets, right? <laughs> oh no the greatest team that, that never was yep but yeah moving on here to we got orlando on the road tomorrow it'll be really interesting to see my first thing i'm gonna be looking at is how does Jokic approach this game is he is he back to being in in a you know intense level of of competition like he was through the first what nine games or so where he was just tearing up the league, or is he a little bit more lackadaisical? You could say he got a little bit more rest than he's used to. At least for me, what I'm looking for in this game is how does Jokic approach it, especially because he got Wendell Carter Jr., who's no pushover, especially when it comes to the Jokic matchup. I think he plays him as well as a lot of the bigs in the league. I wouldn't put him in the top tier, but I'd say he's close to that. And Orlando's going to be scrappy, man. They're going to they're going to try to run the ball, try to get stops and go on on fast breaks, which can sometimes be the Achilles heel of the Nuggets. And the other thing I look for is does MPJ continue to play within the offense and hit his shots? Yeah, I mean, is is that what you're also feeling Ashar? What are you looking for to get this win on the road? Yeah, so I do expect uh, a bounce back dominant game from Jokic. I think he feels that he left the team down a little bit by being, you know, getting ejected. So I do expect him to come back. Um, I don't think Wendell Carter is playing. Uh, he didn't play tonight. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, so we might catch a break there. In fact, they played some guy named Batazi. Um, never even heard of the guy, to be honest. Um, the Magic ended up playing, you know, 31 minutes tonight. He's he's a big guy. He's like 6'11, 250s. But, um, Regardless, I don't. I, there, nobody on the Magic scares me from stopping Jokic. So I think to win this game, Jokic has to be dominant and he needs to be aggressive. Uh, Magic are no, uh, they're no pushover anymore. They, they won tonight. Um, they're nine and five. They're four and two at home. So uh, they have a deep bench as well. So uh, this is not going to be an easy game. I mean, and, um, so can the Nuggets win? Yes, but they're going to have to play the best game of the road trip thus far even better than the uh, Pelicans game if they have any chance of uh, beating Orlando at home. Yeah, I think uh, this this game tomorrow night, we need to get back to the Nuggets that we started off uh, seeing early this year. I'm a little bit scared to death as far as the game tomorrow goes. This Magic mm -hmm. team has won four in a row. You know, the last time we had a podcast late last week, uh, these guys were uh, six and five, and now they're now nine and five, and they absolutely destroyed a very good Indiana Pacers team the other night. And so mm -hmm. they seem to be firing on all cylinders. You know, are we going to collectively bring it back and uh, and see Jokic have a dominant name and have some bench, uh, you know, some bench input? And uh, I sure hope so. Yeah, I like the matchup for Gordon on Bancaro. So that's always a plus when you get a good defender against 
a really good rookie, I I feel like Gordon probably can win that matchup a little bit. Bitazi, but I don't know how to pronounce his name. I hadn't heard of him either, Ashar. I was looking. He's the 18th pick in the 2019 draft. Yeah. Um, out of Georgia, the uh the country, not the state. Um yeah, interesting. He's a yeah, he's a big guy. That's kind of the guy you want to throw on Jokic, right? A guy that can just eat up fouls and yeah. play him tough. So it'll be interesting to see if uh how the refs respond after all this commotion over the last two games and see how Jokic handles some physicality from a guy who's from Europe and is probably willing to get a little bit dirty with Jokic. So that'll be that'll be a interesting wrinkle to look out for. And yeah, there's a lot of teams that are surging right now. I was looking at the West standings today and don't look now, but Minnesota's the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting, also scary a little bit. Um, and you got like teams like the Warriors barely even in the the play-in mix right now and uh Phoenix out of it. Or was it Phoenix? I believe it was Phoenix that was out of it. So yeah, there's still a long ways to go though. And I really just hope to get this one out of the way, get a win, get back to five hundred on this road trip. That play that in season tournament game is really gonna be what I look forward to this week, but we will definitely touch base on that later this week on another pod. Yeah, any uh any final thoughts on the on the magic here? I was just saying I think this the winning momentum's a big thing in the NBA, right? I'd rather be two and two on the road trip heading into Houston versus being one and three and making that Houston game even that much more important because you don't want to go one and four. So yeah, I, I think the Nuggets have to look at this as we we gotta win this, carry some momentum over. Not to feel good about themselves playing the Rockets coming up. So yeah, it's 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 a critical game. Who would have thought the Magic are a must-win game? But <laughs> you know, we'll see. I, I put more weight on the Rockets game just because I'm interested in the in-season, but mm-hmm. who knows? But yeah, anyways, that will do it for the 5280 Nuggets Fast Break podcast presented by Rocky Mountain Sports Network. Glenn did just post an article on RockyMountainSN.com about Malone's extension, and there'll be some more work from both Glenn and myself on that site, as well as any of the other uh, Colorado sports teams you look to follow. But anyways, thanks for everybody for tuning in. And uh, thanks to two of my co-hosts for once again, a great show. Yep. Thanks, thanks everybody. Go Nuggets.